1: and in the remnant, whom the Lord shall call. Welcome, everybody, to the Remnant Call. I'm your host, Brother Frank, and glad to be back here with you. For another exciting episode, and tonight we have back a, a familiar guest, Brad Huddleston. He's going to be with us here, and I'm going to bring him on in just a few minutes to share some. What I feel is one of the most important topics that need to be dealt with today, and that is technology addictions. It is not only killing the church, it's killing families, it's killing children, and it's time to stop it in reverse course. And so we're going to bring Brad in tonight to talk about that. But before we get going, I just want to say thank you so much to Brother Benjamin that came on last week. If you did not hear that show, A Time Appointed, let me tell you what, the first half hour, 20 minutes of that show was one of the most powerful 20 minutes. That I have heard in a good while. Um, Benjamin truly dealt with the attacks on the mind. And uh, how the devil loves to get in there and beat us down. And we've got to remember that when God is is bringing conviction, there's always a call to return back to him. But when the devil comes in, there's nothing but condemnation only. And it's good that we understand that so we can properly uh, know how to pray against it. And I'll tell you, I just encourage everybody to listen to that. And, and uh, God will bless you through that. Let's bring in our guest tonight, Brad Huddleston. He is... Uh, someone that you may have uh, heard before on the Remnant Call. We did an episode a while back on the dark side of technology. Brad Huddleston is an international uh, speaker. He's a consultant, teacher, and an author. On the important issues such as technology and culture, he has worked with university, schools, churches, and law enforcement and spoken to tens of thousands around the world on both the advantages of well-used technology tools and the dangers of the growing trend toward technology addiction. Brad has an ongoing collaboration with the Bureau of Market Research and its Neuroscience Division in the University of South Africa. Brad has a degree in computer science and a diploma of biblical studies and is a credentialed minister in the Acts to Alliance movement in Australia. 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 He's also a frequent guest in radio and television and the author of Digital Cocaine, A Journey Toward Eye Balance, and The Dark Side of Technology, Restoring Balance in the Digital Age. Brad and his wife Beth live in the beautiful Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, and we are just blessed to have Brad on the show. Brad, are you here with us?
0: Oh, I sure am, Frank, and absolutely a joy and a privilege to be with you. Thank you so much for having me back.
1: Well, Brad, I'll tell you, um, what you talk about and what you deal with, I know some people might not understand this, but this is one of the biggest challenges facing the church and the body of believers today, and that's technology addiction. And you know it uh, more than anybody because that's what you're into, um, and you're trying to help – Uh, schools and different people all around. Brad, I was just looking up before we got onto this program uh, just a few little things out here, and I just wanted to run this by you. Uh, There are so many disorders going on out there today now that are newly discovered because of technology addiction. A few of them I came across was compulsive Internet use, CIU, Internet overuse, problematic computer use, pathological computer use, problematic Internet use, Internet addiction disorder, and then that goes into all the other pornography with sex, cyber sexual addictions, cyber sexual relationship addictions come uh, into uh, pornographic uh, computer addictions then causing a side effects on top of all of that of depression dishonesty feeling of guilt anxiety feelings of euphoria inability to prioritize a, or keep schedules isolation no sense of time defensive avoidance of work agitation back carpal tunnel syndrome headache insomnia etc 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 Brad, what is happening to our world today?
0: Well, before the Internet generation, when psychology really came into the fore and people started to look to that for some guidance at the various social, psychological, and emotional disorders that are out there, you started to hear uh, years ago terms like codependency, or you'd hear terms like addiction uh, that, that came from somewhere. You'd hear terms like OCD obsessive compulsive disorder well we now have a whole new brand similarly of mental emotional psychological disorders because of neuroplasticity which is the brain's ability to rewire itself for good or bad in this case obviously bad we are stimulating the brain now in very very high levels and as a result of that depending on a person's nature depending on a person's psychological makeup the environment that they're born in the rewiring of the brain through the digital technology, this overstimulation, will rewire their brain such as that such that they will manifest psychoses that we've never seen before. Uh, so, the internet addiction disorder that you just mentioned is probably the biggest label that in digital addiction that we have for this, and then. There's a whole bunch of nuances, again, depending on what the person is into, such as nomophobia, which is a fear of going without the phone. FOMO, which is a fear of missing out, which explains why people have their heads down all the time. And then they have anxiety if they have to get up from that and and do something else, particularly in children because their brains are so fragile and they're underdeveloped. If you pull a, a device away from them, the anger manifests uh instantly and the anger also manifests itself in adults although they have a little bit more of a, an ability to control it for a little bit longer period of time but ultimately the anger will set in so yes you are starting to see uh a lot of new psychological terms come about there's even one i can't think of it but you'll understand what it is it's when people uh they're starting to show up in the doctor's office in mass amounts now because of self diagnosis it's called cyberchondria that's what it's called cyberchondria where they go to WebMD because they're, they're having some sort of symptom in their body. They go to WebMD, get scared half to death because everything's cancer, everything's, you know, whatever. And so they go to their doctor having self-diagnosed. Doctor runs tests, and he goes, no, 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 you're fine. So you are starting to see that, and it's having a, a detrimental effect in the big picture, particularly in education and uh, the academics, uh, in relationships. And then the thing that you and I would be the most concerned about It's having a horrible, horrible effect on our spirituality.
1: Well, Brad, that is one of my big concerns right now because this is a show for believers. Uh, The Remnant Call is not just an information platform, but it is a call for people to return back to that deeper walk with God. Um, when we when the Bible talks about come out of her, my people, and be ye separate, we believe that God is calling us, Brad, and I know you do too, into that deep walk to separate ourselves from the things that are uh, inhibiting our relationship with Jesus Christ and to get serious about our walk with God. Brad, one of the things I know that you deal with inside of this uh, technology addictions, um, Facebook, all these different things that are seemingly uh, Replacing our walk with God is—is is you talk about how it affects the intimacy uh, in our relationship with God, and ultimately, when the intimacy is affected, then then the, then our complete walks, uh, our Christian walks, tend to fall apart. Uh, Brad, one thing I've learned a long time ago in the Garden of Eden. Um, result the sin was simply a result of a broken walk with God when Adam and Eve decided to separate to listen to someone else to get away from the result was sin and 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 it led to of course the utter downfall of the entire world Brad I know and you know that in and of ourselves, we will not defeat. The relationship with God has to be repaired in order to find this healing that everyone needs. And, Brad, what, what is happening with the intimate relationship right now in the churches as you've experienced with believers? What are you hearing, and, and uh, how, how are you addressing these problems right now?
0: Well, in the, the countries, as you know, I, I'm an international guy and so I'm very privileged to go into uh, countries all over the world where the internet has been around the longest that's where you see the problem most prolific although in the third world which I spend time in the third world as well you're also starting to see it in mass numbers often in the third world their internet connections can be faster not necessarily more reliable but faster uh, than here in the west but Uh, what I'm seeing around the world is an erosion of the intimacy with God, the feeling, which is that that sense that you have when you first fall in love with someone. Uh, When I first started to date Beth, I mean, the tingles in the stomach and uh, just every waking moment, thinking of her and wanting to be around her. Now, look, natural forces take place after a while when you're married. Uh, You have to go back to work. You have to uh, be concerned about money and the kids and It can start to challenge your intimacy with God, and that's when you have to start to work on your marriage. That said, the metaphor that Jesus uses between us and him or the relationship between us and him is one of marriage. We're the bride of Christ, and so when you first get saved, often, not always, but often we're very emotional about it. We're drawn in this great intimacy, and some of the best times that we ever have in the Word of God and reading books from the great saints and so on and so forth happen early on. And then as time goes on, we have to go to work, we have to deal with family, we have to deal with life, and all of that sort of stuff. And then it can be a challenge, and that's where the discipline comes in, uh, where we are disciples of him, where we we make a conscious decision to follow him. And so that is where the flow of intimacy has been interrupted. What has happened is not only has life come in with the family, the children, the work, and all the related issues that come with that, Technology has swept over us like a tsunami, and in the neuroscience that I deal with, um, as you know, I, and you mentioned a few minutes ago, I have this ongoing collaboration at the University of South Africa. This technology addiction is not metaphorical, but the, the paradigm shift that we're fighting and to get into place in society around the world is that we're not talking about a metaphorical addiction where we kind of laugh it off. When you look at the brain scans of people who are addicted, it is exactly like cocaine addiction. And what has happened on the inside of the brain all around the world, because the Internet is the World Wide Web, there's a certain part of the brain where you feel. Now, the technical term for that is the nucleus accumbens, but in layman's terms, it's just the pleasure center, and it's in the nucleus. It's in the the middle, and it's part of what is called the reward circuit. That reward circuit is called that because when we stimulate that part of the brain, whether it be through alcohol, drugs, gambling, screens, that's the area of the brain that induces the pleasure through a chemical called dopamine. And dopamine is a a, a neurotransmitter that is very stimulating. We derive pleasure and we love it. And there's not a thing in the world wrong with dopamine. It, It is put there by God. Uh, it does a whole lot more uh, those who, for example, struggle with Parkinson's disease. They have a lack of dopamine in a different part of their brain. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the pleasure center of the brain. What ends up happening when you get too much of that neurotransmitter, the brain has a natural defense mechanism that kicks in, sort of like antibodies when you get a virus. Uh, but it kicks in and it starts to release a bunch of other chemicals trying to neutralize and filter out that excessive amount of dopamine and we call it the dopamine barrier, and I illustrate this in brain animations by a wall. And so what that wall is doing is pushing out the excessive amount of dopamine, and it's God's way of saying, look, you've done too much now. Now, obviously, when it comes to pornography, cocaine, and that, that's a sin. We shouldn't be doing that at all, but people do. So do Christians. But the brain is telling us with uh, fun activities, okay, that's enough. Give me a break. Get out of the digital world and go do analog or non-digital activities, and we don't like to be cut off from that dopamine. And so we end up doing the activity longer, harder, and more intensely, just like a coke addict, just like an alcoholic. That barrier forms, and it gets stronger and stronger, and so we fight it more and more, which causes us then to do that, that particular activity or activities related to it more and more and more so that we generate larger and larger and larger quantities of dopamine, But what is happening all the while, it's kind of counterintuitive, but that wall is starting to decrease the feeling. It is starting to decrease the joy. So eventually what happens is when you're not in a moment of extreme stimulation, you are bored. You're very bored and you are numb. And the medical condition for that numbness is called anhedonia. The middle of that word is hedon, from which we get our modern word hedonism, which is the constant ongoing pursuits of pleasure. And so that wall forms, the deadness sets in, and then unless you're doing that activity that you're addicted to, because that's what addiction is, that constant, repetitive, got to do it longer, harder, and more intensely. Once the addiction sets in, your affections, your every thought, your waking moments are all consumed by that activity or related activities, which in our case, because we're talking about spirituality, spirituality is a much less stimulating activity. So by comparison to the other activities that you're addicted to, God is now boring because he's less stimulating. The word of God becomes boring. Uh, The church becomes boring. People in the church become boring unless you're relating to them as a gamer or if you're connected to them on social media, which are very stimulating activities. So what has happened is because we did not know that all this technology is literally, chemically, neurally addictive, just like cocaine – because we didn't know that in the early days, we give it to the children because it works as the perfect babysitter. We get addicted to social media and tell ourselves, well, we're staying in touch with church people. Uh, we tell ourselves all kinds of things. I read my Bible on my app. All the while, that screen is doing the uh, building the wall in the brain that's causing the numbness or the anhedonia. So the intimacy has been stolen because of that barrier. We, we no longer have the capacity to feel to have uh, that natural desire to be with, to pursue, we lose all of that to numbness in favor of what are called hyper-stimulating activities. In this case, it's in the digital world. And because the brain is connected or the eyes are connected directly to the brain, it doesn't have to get into the, – the stimulation doesn't have to get into the bloodstream like with alcohol or cocaine. It can go straight into the occipital lobes, which are in the back of the head controlling the eyes. All of this dopamine gets immediately secreted, and so you get a quick fix, a very instant fix. The only thing that's – well, there's nothing quicker, but second to that would be cocaine. When you put cocaine in your nose, the sinus cavities are very close to the brain. It gets immediately into the bloodstream, and the effect is instant. The only thing that's even more instant would be video games and pornography because it's connected directly. Nothing has to even get into the bloodstream. All the while, the lesser stimulating activities get drowned out. That's where the intimacy falls in, whether it be with a human being, your spouse or with friends or with God. And so people would 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 prefer to socialize on social media than face to face because face to face is going to slow that stimulation down. And when you get online because of that screen, it's going to speed it up. But the problem is the people who spend, for example, the most time on Facebook are actually the most depressed because it doesn't work the same way than if you and I, Frank, were sitting across the table Um, Having fellowship, looking at each other eye to eye, talking about Jesus That's going to be one type of stimulation that's going to uh, bring in chemicals that will soothe us um, That is going to heal us And of course there's a spiritual dynamic that you and I as Christians know that exists That's going to fulfill us And then with the other activities, it's not going to happen the same way And we know that now through physiological, neurological research
1: Well, Brad, I can tell you what you're talking to is resonating with me. Uh, You know, Brad, I have in my own past journey have been addicted to almost everything out there under the sun. Um, From drug addiction, uh, pornography, everything in my uh, younger years especially, I thought that – I thought the stuff was okay. Um, You know, it was a great time having fun until the day I woke up and realized it owned me. And uh, it was a terrible time And thank the Lord Jesus for deliverance But Brad I find sometimes Things creeping in very Very subtly in for the believer And sometimes there can be a uh, a self-righteousness that maybe I'm not I'm not doing that I'm just like you said just checking my uh, app because I'm spreading the good news on Facebook and um, before they know it they're spending a lot more time on there than they actually think and I'm going to give you a prime example with myself right I don't have personal Facebook myself none of my family do or not we don't have any social media but I have a site uh, for my program and I interact with it to promote the remnant call radio show Uh, I don't talk a lot with other people, uh, just not something I do a lot, but I find myself checking to see if I've got a like or if I've got it on YouTube, if I've got another hit. I find myself checking that often, and Brad, I have realized I'm getting – as I've listened to what you've talked about, I'm getting stimulation from that, and Mm -hmm. I understand and recognize that, and I don't like it. And before you know it, I've understood that through something I thought was okay, it quickly has gotten a hold of me, and I have to step back and say, you know what? This is um, this is a problem right here because even though I might think, well, all I'm doing is checking it, it begins to own you very quickly and subtly. Brad, is that – I mean I know I can't be the only one facing that.
0: No, absolutely not. There are two terms for that, Frank, uh, and by the way… I- the, your example of, of being humble to admit that is exactly what is going to cure the problem. So hats off to you, my friend, and uh, I'm the same way. In addition to the Holy Spirit, I also have a wife <laughs> who keeps a good eye on me. I'm sure you do as amen, well.
1: Amen, amen. But
0: the two terms for that would be dopamine dripping and dopamine flooding. And so what you're receiving when you check, 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 check for those likes, and, I, and I've done it as well, you're receiving little hits of dopamine, and you derive pleasure. Now, look, I want to quote a scripture to our audience and to you and to me so that we don't end up in legalism and unnecessary guilt. We need to have conviction, but not unnecessary guilt. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 says this, Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Frank, you and I are using a lot of technology to record this interview remotely, and that is beneficial. There's nothing wrong with that until you do too much. The rest of the verse says this, everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. In other words, I won't be addicted to anything. So the line is addiction. There's nothing wrong with being encouraged even on the Internet. But the problem comes when you keep checking, 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 and that's where the dripping happens. So you've recognized that. And what I have tried to do, if you look at the timestamps on my Facebook posts, and I have gotten rid of all social media except that one platform, and I've given that to the Lord, I've given it to my wife, and uh, if it gets out of control, it has to go as well. Occasionally, some of the business people that I deal with will send me a message through LinkedIn. I don't even know how to use LinkedIn except for the Messenger part, but the notification comes in through email, and then I'll check the message. So I'm not a regular on anything. I don't do Twitter anymore. I've never done Snapchat. I've never done Instagram, none of that. But I do use Facebook, mainly the Messenger service, which I contacted you on to give you my phone number and to let you know that I'm going to be five minutes late. Nothing wrong with that until we stay on it. And our head stays down all the time. So, really, the easy diagnosis without even having to scan your brain is if your head stays down all the time or if it goes down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up. But if you look at the timestamps on my posts, you will generally find that I post a verse in the morning and that's it. That's all you'll find from me. But like you, I still worry am I still feeding the machine of the other people who aren't disciplined in doing things like that? So, it's a, it's, a, it's a, It has to become a spirit-led issue because scripturally everything is permissible, but when you get addicted to it, that's the line where you've sinned. And so not everybody's addicted, but the reality is most people are at some level children instantly. The other thing that I would say, Frank, in relation to this, there's a verse uh, that perfectly describes from the church uh, in Ephesus – Perfectly describes what we're talking about here. A friend of mine in Australia pointed this out to me a long time ago when he heard me talk about anhedonia, which is that numbing of the pleasure center where you lose your intimacy with everything, including God. In Ephesians chapter 419, the church at Ephesus was a very carnal, carnal church who sought after pleasure a lot. And this is what is written to them or about them. And they, the ungodly in their spiritual apathy, that's how the scripture terms this having become callous and unfeeling have given themselves over as prey to unbridled sensuality eagerly craving the practice of every kind of impurity that their desires may demand once you have been given over to addiction that is precisely what happens unbridled sensuality is the only thing that will excite you craving the practice of every kind of impurity now obviously pornography is the biggest one video games right after that and then what does that breed a callousness toward the important things toward people toward god and unfeeling except in those extreme unbridled sensuality settings which would be pornography first video games second and social media third so the church of ephesus god even back then was giving us a warning of what happens when we entertain ourselves literally to numbness or to death in the brain. And that's going to drown out the voice of God. And that's what I see in every nation that I go into where the Internet exists. People have gotten addicted. Uh, You know, at one time there were doctors that would make television commercials to tell you how good smoking is for you. They would tell you it's good for you. They would tell bicycle racers that you should hold it in your lungs for as long as, as possible because this will help you with your breathing when you race your bicycles. Now, my challenge is, because I work with doctors, I work with clinical psychologists and so forth, not all of them, uh, as well-meaning as they may be, may not know the things even that I know. They know a lot of things I don't know. So my goal is to even educate doctors to say, hey, wait a minute, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death.
1: Well, that's that's powerful. You know, Brad, I I think I mentioned this to you maybe in private before, but my grandfather was a microbiologist at NIH, and um, he was a part of when they discovered endorphins in the body, which tie into dopamine. And uh, they were trying to study and figure out how acupuncture worked, and in the process of discovering how acupuncture worked, they discovered the endorphins in the body. Well, he did the early research into um, cancer and uh, cigarette smoking, and they found that it didn't cause uh, cancer in rats. Now, my granddad knew it was bad, but because the data didn't said it didn't cause cancer in lab rats, they said it was fine and okay, and they promoted it. And uh, I find that is sometimes the dangers we run into today is uh what we're promoting is okay and great and everything and and we find out a little while later that this you know what feels great this excessiveness ends up before you know it having us completely trapped and and one of the things Brad you mentioned earlier that specifically uh I feel is important and I would like you to touch on this um for just a second maybe a little bit more in depth and Brad, basically reading the Bible. Uh, A lot of us love to get that Bible app, but but Brad, I have noticed that, and I've even felt that there's something wrong about just, I needed to get back into mainly reading out of the old-fashioned book, because something happens when you're always reading on digital screens, and and we feel it's quick, we can search, we can find like that, but Brad, does that affect the way we connect with God by always looking digitally at our biblical apps and everything?
0: It does, and it also affects academics uh, of your children and those who are going on to higher education. There's actually science behind this now. The research has been done on printed books versus the same book in e-format, which would be your Kindle, iBooks, ePub, et cetera. What they did, uh, some researchers in Europe gave a large test group a printed novel. And as you know, Frank, in a the novel, there's a lot of storylines, characters, subplots, et cetera. The brain has to manage all of that. So they gave this novel, printed novel, to a test group, and then they gave the exact same novel n- novel in uh, e-format to another test group. After they read the novel, they did extensive comprehension studies to see how much retention was going on, concentration, etc. The group that read the printed, old-fashioned paper formats of that novel crushed the other group, and then they did the… Uh, brain analysis to figure out why As it turns out the haptic and tactile nature of the screens the movement the pinching the zooming the things that that you and i find very very fun was actually confusing the brain it was putting the brain into an artificial environment so a lot of energy had to go to manage that contrast that with the people who read the printed version their brain energy could go to the content therefore they simply learned more They retained more. They were able to concentrate. They were able to focus. All of those things that lead to learning. Similarly with the Bible. Uh, When I read that research, I was on a flight somewhere, and as soon as I got off the plane, jet lagged and all, I went straight to a bookshop, and I bought a traditional Bible because I, too, was just using my app, and I wouldn't say it's a sin to use a Bible app. But the, but I knew, just like what you described, anecdotally, it was not working for me in the same way as my old-fashioned Bible. So I went and bought a Bible, bought a highlighter, and I went straight away, went right back into the old way of doing it because I had now had the research behind me. Note-taking is the same way. They did extensive research on note-taking, which would be writing on paper versus typing. And the people who write on paper and take notes that way uh, crush the people who type. So… When I'm, I'm in the middle of another book right now, and say in the middle, I'm in the early stages of another book called Digital Rehab, and some of my colleagues think I'm absolutely crazy because at least in the early stages of the research, the thought processes, I am handwriting it in a journal before I then will be forced to go to the digital, which is a great thing to do. It does make it easy, but as far as the thinking, the retention, the focus, the concentration, here's what I'll leave with our audience on this subject. If you want to learn, slow down. If you want to be entertained, speed up. But you can't have both. Edutainment does not work. Slow, methodical concentration with repetition is how the brain learns. And because we don't believe in evolution – Uh, The brain has not evolved to handle the sheer saturation and the speed with which the data comes at us. We still have to slow down if we are going to learn. That's why you are seeing in the school districts that I work in around the world and ones that I don't work in, those school districts that have implemented the one-to-one laptop and tablet programs, the grades are declining. That is one of the many things that keeps me very busy running around the planet trying to help people manage and deal with that very issue. Because the advertisement said that those children have to have this if they are going to be successful, and yet many, if not most of them, are failing. And it has to do with the way that it's been implemented and the way the brain works. All that said, Frank, um, those endorphins that you spoke about, those endorphins are what are called the satisfaction chemical. Those endorphins have been robbing us for a long time. And even in the pornography, the reason why some people would much rather look at pornography than have sex with an actual human being is because of the high that they're getting from all of the uh, other drugs, but they're never satisfied, which, which means the only time that you get the endorphin rush, which is the satisfying chemical, is when you are having sex with the opposite sex whom you are married to. Then those chemicals flood and satisfaction results. We have dissatisfied people all over the world no matter what realm they are in. That's why they constantly pursue the video games. Uh, The Millennials will uh, chase after Marvel Comics, and you see the T-shirts all over the world just seeking higher and higher levels of stimulation. And yet a supernatural Jesus does not turn a millennial on. Now, look, there are obviously exceptions because there are millennials who are awesome. But we're talking about numbers here around the world. So the – uh, problem that we have is, is getting much, much exponentially worse. And to end this segment on a spiritual note, Frank, um, like you, I believe we live in the end times. I believe that God wants to wrap things up. The church prophetically is to have a major, major role in this. Uh, Various interpretations of what that means, but I think we can all agree that Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. That means the bride needs to be very active about spiritual things. Well, the big attack that has happened since 2007 with the release of the iPhone in particular has been the technology. It's been deceptive. It's been legitimized in the church, and I'm not mad at the church. I legitimized it as well. I fell right into it. Uh, I've since turned around, obviously. So my message is one of calling the church, which you said earlier, that verse, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch the unclean thing, and then I will receive you. And of course, the word holiness comes from that word separate. So when we separate ourselves, we're doing that. We're separating ourselves for God's use, and we're separating ourselves from evil And with our screens, we have allowed every manner of evil to come right into our homes. And the scripture says it's the spirit of the world. The Apostle Paul in the Old English says the spirit of the age. But make no mistake about it, Frank. It is a spirit. It is a demonic spirit. It has gripped the the whole world, including the church. And we have got to deal with this. So, again, thank you for allowing me on your platform to at least... Uh, in some way start to, to take our godly hammer and strike back at it.
1: Well, Brad, I appreciate you coming on here, and like and we talked about even before we got started here is that the most important thing is that we've got to find healing. The body of Christ needs to find healing, Brad, and you specifically, not only do you deal with the problem in the technology research and finding out what is causing this and, and how uh, it is taking over, but you also deal with the solution. And one of the things, Brad, is we touched a bit earlier here and on how this affects our intimacy with God. And, Brad, what I think is going on and what I think people are feeling is this sense of I'm trapped, I'm stuck, I feel separated from God, I know that I've done it, um, and I don't know what to do. And, and Brad, there's a cry, and it's, and it's many times a silent cry because it's an embarrassing cry. Mm-hmm. It's a shameful cry. Right. And and people, there's no safe place to have this cry at. So believers are walking around in church, they're listening to radio program, but in their heart, they're screaming out for help. And so, Brad, I was wondering if we could, you know, this second part of the show could focus on, Brad, this effects on intimacy and, and how do we get out of this? How do we turn around and come back to that place where we originally our first love with Jesus
0: Yeah, the two. There's a lot of good news, Frank.
1: Um,
0: As I mentioned earlier, the book that I'm working on now is called Digital Rehab, and I was just on the Skype call yesterday with the film crew. um, A big documentary is being made uh, about this. Uh, um, Thank God for the platforms and other people coming along beside me to help me. But the good news is is that the brain, if you catch things early enough, as with any disease or with any dilemma that's going on in the body, if you catch it, most of those can be uh healed to a great degree if not healed completely now, on a spiritual note, the frustrating thing about God is and I say that with respect, and I think you'll know where i'm where I'm, where I'm coming from when I say the frustrating thing about God is sometimes I have watched him heal people instantly, some people get delivered of addictions just overnight. And then some people, God walks them through a process, but knowing that God could do it instantly can breed a bit of frustration, but we have to slow down and trust him that he knows best how to help us to detox. So the good news is God will help us, but we have a part to play. Sometimes God will be merciful and deliver all at once and take a lot of the work out of it, but most of us, he works with us and through us, and it takes time But just like a cut, if you accidentally uh, cut your arm, if you will just put that arm in an environment of healing, basically you don't even have to hardly do anything to it. It will just heal itself, and in most cases there won't even be a scar. The brain that gets hijacked will also heal. You are proof of that with the previous things that you did. But you also know that it can leave lasting scars, depending on how deeply you went into that addiction. So the quicker you find it and get... hold of this problem, this digital addiction, the better off you're going to be. But here's what we know from the science. The last time I spoke with you, Frank, at that time, South Korea had 200 digital detox rehabilitation centers. And I'm working my way through another book now on this topic. And I have since learned that now South Korea has 400 digital detox rehabilitation centers. Wow! The, The push there, and I've been to South Korea, I keynoted there at Global Youth Forum. It's it's amazing the technology. I mean, you, you you drive out of Seoul and no matter where you go, Samsung, LG. I mean, it's it's incredible. But their push for digital supremacy, they've won that push for digital supremacy. In that, they've taken the technology that we've developed here in America, they've kind of put it on steroids. And so, in some places in Seoul, they're getting 10 gigabit internet speeds. Contrast that with my Xfinity connection here at about 185 megabits, and I'm download speed, and I think it's great getting probably 60 upload, but they're in some places 10 gigabits. And so what that has done, they've won the digital supremacy contest, but this overstimulation has caused them to have to build all of these digital detox centers. Their video gaming teams are the best in the world, but they also suffer the most in their brains. So basically the good news is all of these clinics have popped up. Neuroscience has jumped in, and we now know that it takes about – Four to six weeks for the brain to reset. Now, the condition is called a hyper-stimulated prefrontal cortex. It's when the brain gets completely hijacked with digital addiction, whether it be porn, video games, social media. They take their children, some as young as three. They admit them to a detox center. And in about six weeks, uh, with no technology, including television, no rewarding of digital technology on Saturday for good behavior for the rest of the days, none of that, you can't take cocaine And get better from cocaine addiction. You can't detox from cocaine addiction and still snort just a little bit. Or I'm not as bad as I used to be. You have to completely stop the drug. So that's what they do in the digital detox centers. They confiscate the tablets, the devices, as soon as they admit them. And then they immediately get them into analog activities, non-digital activities. They teach them how to play musical instruments. They teach them how to exercise. They teach them how to eat properly. They teach them all these things that have nothing to do with technology and miraculously, the brain heals. The big challenge is, is when they come out of those detox centers. Because there's no stigma with technology, uh, most fall right back into it. And so a big chunk of my book, my new book, is dealing with that discipleship aspect of it where what do you do after you detox? So the good news is you can detox from it. Intimacy will be restored. Feeling toward people, feeling toward God will return. That's the good news. The bad news is... Just like any addiction, once an addict, always an addict, you, you then have to be very, very, very careful to come back to technology, which unlike cocaine, can have a good place and send an occasional text instead of your head being down all of the time. So the other good news that I would say about that, uh, Frank, in terms of the, the healing is that while the brain can certainly reset Um, A whole new industry, I believe, exists and ministries exist for people um, in developing activities that are uh, analog, that are uh, fun, that are good, but you will never, ever, ever enjoy, you will never enjoy deep, intimate things until you detox. So here's here's the harsh, cold reality. I will look at a parent whose child is off the charts angry. They've given them the tablets. They've used you know, the education games. The education games are just as addictive as the non-education games. The kid gets addicted to playing education games even, and God knows what else they're looking at. And I'll look at the parent, and I'll say, you know, there's hope for that child. If you will take everything away from that child, including television, for six weeks, that child's brain will reset. And not one time, Frank, have I had a parent get excited about that. Now, That's what the they same. do, they'll say things like, no way. I could never handle that. And I think to myself, you know, I don't know how much you love your child. Because used to, before the digital generation or generations that we now have concurrently running, a parent with natural affection, and the scripture says at the end times people would lose natural affection. That's how I know with all of this we are also in the end times. It would be that a parent would do anything – anything to help their child they would lay down their life for their child but when i simply say take something away for 6 weeks including television i don't have any very few get excited and say that because the excitement should be hey there's a solution here my child can be healed my child can get better their grades can get better their sweet nature can return but the only thing they can think of is oh my god what am i going to do with this child for 6 weeks i've relied on this digital technology so There's a spiritual battle, there's a physiological battle, but the good news is the brain will reset, the brain will heal much like a cut. And so the solutions, Frank, are not overly complicated. Our grandmothers who have no degrees in medical knowledge or neuroscience have solved this one. Basically, get outside, climb trees, break bones. Uh, go fishing, go hunting, whatever it is that you do culturally in your area that it does not involve technology, that's what you spend the bulk of your time doing. And you and I know that the anointing breaks the yoke, so spiritual activities will speed up the healing, they will speed up the process. But the but the reality is, for most people, you can't wean like you can with some other drugs and alcohol. With with technology, it works best when you go cold turkey for six weeks, but you will oftentimes have to isolate that person. Um, From technology Not isolate them from other people But isolate them from technology And then all of the activities have to be non-digital And it's going to hurt Detoxing is painful But but it ends It comes, it peels off over time Retention comes back Concentration comes back Intimacy, which is the focus of this show Comes back So the techniques are really not That overwhelming Uh, There's no drugs that you have to take for it That's the good news Uh, But you have to be very intentional. But what people will do is say things like, well, I've improved. But that doesn't cure addiction with digital addiction. You have to detox. So the scales that I use in terms of the healing, anyone from the age of 12 and up, their brains can handle approximately 15% digital activity in a day's time. 15%. But the reality is we are weighted the opposite. We now consume, we are weighted about 85% digital in a day's time. The brain can only handle 15%. And so we have to immediately detox and then come back to technology and limit and work within the the boundaries that the brain has, which is about 15%. So I never said throw it away. It is permissible, but not all things are beneficial. So for me, social media platforms had to go. I limited it to the one that I could that was the most popular, that I could reach the most people, Facebook. But even that has to be strictly guarded, and I have an outside help through the Holy Spirit and through my wife. And my wife is my helpmeet, so I listen to her if I start to get overboard with it. My phone, I now have the ability to turn my phone off for two days at a time just because I need peace. And uh, the anxiety of upsetting people has completely gone away, and uh, that's just what I do. I hike a lot. Uh, I've lost a lot of weight because I've gotten fit. So instead of screen time, I've invested in my health. As a result of that, my spirituality has come back to the point, Frank, where I now have enough concentration, enough deep thinking, enough time alone with God that I write books. And now these books have taken me all over the world. That's the good news. The brain will reset. The brain will uh, open back up to God. And the anointing, And all those things that many people once felt, they can remember those days when the Spirit of God surged through their being, and they did not want to leave that moment, but they had to go to work. And they are like, Jesus, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I've got to leave this place. I can't wait till our next appointed time. That will come back, Frank. That's That's the good news. All of that will come back if you will discipline yourself to detox and then use technology within the boundaries that the brain has set. Those under the age of 12, the hard, cold, harsh reality is their brains can handle zero on average. Now, every kid is physiologically different. The problem is every parent thinks their child is the exception, but most are not the exception. And so they need to simply wait before they introduce technology. So the hope is there. The healing in Jesus is there. The the practical things that we've learned from detox centers – of which I'm doing a whole book and documentary on, it's there. It can happen. It's just a matter of the will and then calling on God for his grace. And by biblical definition, the grace of God is the power of God to accomplish and to carry out what he's asking you to do. So I speak the grace of God over this audience. Once you have made a conscious decision to do the right thing, God
1: will heal you. I agree, Brad. You know, myself being in network engineering, uh, Brad. There's times I utterly hate computer work. I'm so Mm. sick of it Um, because there's just the cry of freedom to be, you know, away from it and completely. You know, I get so frustrated when you walk by somebody's office and you want to talk to them for a second. They say, "Can you just send me an email?" I'm like, "No, I'd rather just talk to you." Yeah, and 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 so Brad, when I go overseas um, in the missions work, and I'm up in the mountains of Africa, and I'm having to rely on God, you know, I'm using a hole in the ground for a bathroom, you know, I'm taking mm-hmm. a bath out of a bucket, and and I'm and I'm completely stripped of everything. Brad, there's this freedom after a couple of days in this uh, feeling that comes over me of this utter. I can't describe it, but it's just it's like everything gets shaken off and I'm completely living in Jesus and I'm in the work and I'm in in the battle. And and folks I just want to tell you right now that one of the greatest weapons you have against all this stuff is to get involved in ministry. Start witnessing. Start getting out and touching people's lives. Go down, work at a homeless shelter, reach the poor, do something. And, and in those processes, you will begin to restore your relationship back with God. Because, Brad, when I'm in those situations, I have to pray. I have to, God, I can't do this right now. I have to be wholly dependent upon you. And you know what I find in those, relation, or those times, Brad, that's the most exciting? I never worry about sinning. Because when I'm in the work and I'm doing the will, I don't have time to get off track. <laughs> Amen. I'm doing what God asks me to do. But, boy, when you step back, and, and, and you know, back to the to reading even your phone uh, using the app, what I find, Brad, about even doing that with that technology is that I might be reading something and be like, you know, what? oh, I should I should research what that looks at. I flip over to the internet to look it up. Next thing you know, I'm off track. Oh, yeah. I'm off track. Yep, and and so it, it gets it's a complete diversion. And Brad, I, we've got about ten minutes left here in this program, and and I I just like to ask Brad if you could just minister for these last ten minutes to the people because there's there is a feeling of condemnation, Brad, that is mm-hmm. so deep the devil's putting on people, yeah. um, that they feel that it's almost an impossible. And you just showed there is hope. And and Brad could just take this time to just speak to the audience right now and and. To share God's heart, if you could, with them.
0: Happy to do that, Frank, and thank you again for this opportunity. There's a condition, one of the conditions that uh, uh, we were talking about earlier, all these new things, new terms that are coming out. One that I think will make immediate sense and give hope. One of the conditions that happens when you get addicted digitally is called post-stimulation attentional drift. If I were to ask you to watch two episodes of your favorite Netflix series and then immediately pick up a book after watching those two and read that book, you would not be able to do it. However, if you will take three hours, just three hours of your time and go analog, completely non-digital, the chemicals that are causing the post-stimulation intentional drift, those chemicals that are keeping you from concentrating and focusing, those chemicals – will dissipate from your brain and a peace and a calmness will settle. Most people, if you would be honest, have not gone three hours in years without looking at a screen. But if you will do that, those chemicals will leave. You pick up a book like the Bible or a good book by A.W. Tozer or C.S. Lewis, Watchman Nee, my utmost for his highest, some of those. Suddenly this calm, peaceful unbelievable, intimate feeling that you once craved, you once knew, will suddenly start to seep right back into your spirit. And I'm speaking this over you right now, recalling memories that are embedded deep in the recesses of your heart and your mind and your spirit. They're coming back and you're going, you know, I I remember those days. I remember when I, I would sit there and start to read the Bible and the very thing that I was going through, the scripture would just jump out and that Logos word would suddenly become Rhema and I would find myself saying things like, oh Jesus, I bless your name. Worthy is the Lamb. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for for bringing this word to me right in this moment, in this time. There is a supernatural God of all the places I could have landed in the Bible. This is exactly what I needed. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you are recalling those moments, but it's been years. And what the Lord is saying to you right now, I will restore the, the years that the locust and the canker worm have eaten away. Even though this is your fault, I will treat you as though you never did it if you'll just turn around and walk back toward me. All of that has been made possible by the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, the, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus is... For the sinner, the people who have never made a conscious decision to follow Jesus, but it's also for the saint who finds themselves with what the scripture says in backslidings. We all get off course. We all get off the rails. The topic here is digital. Most of us have because it's such a big topic. But the Lord's calling you back. He's not angry at you. He doesn't have a big hammer ready to hit you upside the head. He's just saying, put that down. Walk back toward me and my grace will hit you. And my mercy will hit you. The scripture says that if you lack wisdom, to simply ask me, and I'll give it to you generously, and I will not find fault with you. I used to kind of wonder, what does that mean? Now I get it because I've done so many dumb things. I get myself into predicaments where I need the wisdom of God, and God is saying, look, I know you're at fault. Just ask me, though. I'll give you the wisdom, and I won't find fault with you. There's grace in that. If you're bound by porn, If you're bound by social media, you're having a real honest moment. And you're saying, you know, enough of this. I'm not as bad as I used to be. I'm addicted. Just say it. Just say it. And watch Jesus rush at you with his arms wide open with a big red reset button called grace. And he's saying, just touch it. Just touch it. And the verse that I'll close with, Frank, before we pray, in the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew chapter 25, Very clear that we're not saved by our works. Thank God. We're saved by who we know, who we walk with. These ten virgins all started off knowing who Jesus was, receiving the instruction that if they want to see their way through the dark, this dark world that's going to get darker and darker, you have to keep oil in your lamp and keep it burning, burning, burning. The Lord was teaching us through this parable, I'm coming back to get you, but until I do, it is up to you to keep the flow of the Spirit of God, the oil, which represents The flow of God, the Holy Spirit, you have got to keep this flowing in you. And if you'll do this, as it gets darker, you'll shine brighter and be able to see your way through the darkness because I'm coming back to get you. Well, what has happened because of technology and a whole bunch of other reasons, half of the virgins ended up not keeping the oil in their lamp. And they got lost in the darkness, and the five who kept the oil in their lamps made it to the wedding banquet, which represents heaven. The door was open, and they went in, and later— the other five finally showed up, but the door was shut. And they asked Jesus, let me in there, let me in there, Lord, Lord. They called him by the right title. But Jesus would not let the unwise virgins in. Not because they didn't work. Not because they didn't know who he was. They knew who he was. They called him Lord. But the reason he said, you cannot come in here is because I don't know you. Knowing intimacy. In the context of this show, the technology around the world, and what I'm called to write about, talk about, study neuroscience about, is that robbing of the intimacy with God. But the good news is, God will bring it back to you if you will turn to him. And if it's okay, Frank, in this moment, I would like to pray over this audience.
1: Amen, please.
0: Father, I know some, under the sound of our voice, have been caught up in this this moment where something is resonating on the inside saying, yes, yes, I remember those times. I I, I want the oil once again flowing through me. I, I want Jesus. I want the Holy Spirit flowing through me without interruption. I want my focus back. I don't want to have any attentional drifts now. I don't want to sit down anymore. To be with Jesus, my attention is just shot. It's gone in every direction. I want it laser-focused like it used to be. Father, for those whom you are pulling at right now and they're responding to you by the power and the grace and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, tear down that anhedonic wall, speed up the healing process, and make yourself so intimately real to them in this moment. And Jesus... Deposit a hunger, a deep hunger, for an intimacy with you such that technology just naturally starts to fade into the background, and it serves us such that we don't end up serving it. Work miracles of intimacy restoration for this audience for the days are dark, and we need more and more of you to see our way through this darkness because you're coming soon. And Lord, as evil, as your word tells us, continues to wax worse and worse, your word says, where evil doth abound, there does grace abound much more. Give grace to this audience. Take away condemnation. Replace all condemnation with pure conviction, reminding us that it is the kindness of God that is leading us to this repentance thing. It's not about condemnation. It's about restoration through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, let signs, wonders, and miracles follow this very simple presentation of the gospel. Work miracles in the lives of this audience of restoration of intimacy. Thank you so much for Brother Frank, Lord. Bless his family. Protect his family. He's on the front lines of battle, he's doing this, Lord with pure heart, clean hands, and I'm asking you to bless and protect him. Watch over him. Bless him financially, emotionally, spiritually, maritally, and in every way touch this show week after week and continue to anoint it to affect, multiply thousands and millions around this world. It's in Jesus' name that I pray over this audience. Amen.
1: Amen. Folks, I just want to say thank you so much to Brad for coming on. What a powerful prayer, and Folks, I just want you to remember this, that God has not given up. He's not, he's not bailed on you. The Bible says that the prize that was laid up before him, he endured the sufferings of the cross. Meaning he found you so valuable that he was willing to lay his life down because he wanted you that bad. Mm-hmm. Now that God that laid his life down while you were yet sinners is still fighting for you today. Mm. And the simple fact that there's conviction in your heart, knowing that what's been going on in your life is wrong, that's the spirit of the living God calling you to come home. Mm. And as Brad said today, that if you will just put it down, you will confess it out. God will wipe it away and start you brand new. And that is a powerful thing, that if we have sinned and we have done wrong, that we still have an intercessor, and his name is Jesus. Folks, don't give up. Press in. Don't fight the technology. Separate from it. Don't try to, set like Brad said, just, well, I'll just start cutting back slowly. You need a time to get away, to reset yes. and to refocus. And the God of this universe will come in. Like when the prodigal son came home and he crested over that hilltop and when the father saw him, the Bible said he took off running after his son. Mm. And that was a picture of God. When he sees that lost sheep returning back, the Bible says he takes off running. And that is what he will do to you. Mm. Brad, thank you so much. God bless you in your ministry. Thank you for sharing your time. Thank your wife for allowing you to come (laughs) on here and to be away from the family for a few moments to share a blessing with this audience. Folks, keep looking up. Keep pressing in. Check out Brad. Brad, what's your website so that people can follow what's going on?
0: Brad BradHuddleston.com. B R A D H U D D L E S T O N.com. And thank you for allowing me to mention
1: that, Frank. Amen. Well, God bless you. And, folks, this is Brother Frank and Brad Huddleston with the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom. Watch your